0: good morning and welcome to car thoughts this is episode 25 we're on day 25 folks and man this is just fantastic i'm loving every minute of this i'm so glad that you're sharing the experience with me that you're um you know listening that you're subscribing that you're rating and if you if you have not rated my podcast i'd certainly love to to uh you know, if, I'd certainly love it if you do that for me um, because, you know, how with Apple podcasts, and I'm sure it's the same with a lot of others, you know, the more good ratings a podcast gets, the uh, higher it is up on the visibility level. So uh, I'd certainly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I just want to really thank you guys for listening. You're the ones who are keeping me uh, motivated to do this, and I'd love to engage with you on social media. Um, I've got Twitter account set up, which is at Car Thoughts Dave, and a Facebook page, which you can find by searching for Car Thoughts with David. And um, yeah, you, know, you can certainly reach out to me on either of those places, and I'd be more than happy to uh, answer your questions, or if you have something you'd like me to weigh in on and give my thoughts on, um, I will certainly be more than happy to do that, and uh, and feature you in the episode and you know, say that you were the one that came up with the uh the inspiration for this episode. Um, so you know, and I I follow anybody that follows me on Twitter. So, you know, definitely, you know, if I if you follow me, I'll follow you. So, you know, never hurts to have an extra follower. <laughs> and um so thank you guys. And um what I'm gonna talk about today is um rocking the boat. Um, you know, it's really You know, are you a person that goes out there and says, you know what, I'm going to rock the boat. I'm going to stand up and voice my opinion. Or uh, are you the type of person that just kind of goes with the flow? And there's no judgment. I'm not uh, judging anybody or saying that you should or should not uh, partake in this. Um, I'm just sharing my own personal experiences in my life. And, um, you know... I've always been one of those people who's questioned things. I've always been one of those people that's been like, hey, you know, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. Or, um, you know, and it's made me a really extremely popular person most of the time (laughs) uh, because I just look at it as, you know, let's, why not do something the way that makes sense, you know, instead of doing all of these different steps, you know, um, let's just do it in this order because this would be the quickest and most efficient way to complete it. And, you know, I'm not always right. I'm not trying to say I'm some kind of a genius, but, you know, it's just been one of those things that I've always, um, you know, just, if something didn't make sense to me, I ask questions. Whereas, some people don't you know they just accept it and they do it that way like for instance uh, when i worked at best buy and i was actually telling this story to a gentleman yesterday i was on a a zoom call with um you know we had um just recently been christened as the geek squad um and it was the time when the w32 Sasser worm virus came out which uh for those of you who weren't affected by it um, you know, you were lucky, it hit a lot of businesses, it hit a lot of computers through an ex- exploit in Windows Messenger, if anyone remembers that. That's, if you know what Skype is, uh, Windows Messenger was what, was what that was before it was called Skype. So, um, that was, uh, they had found a back door, uh, it could get into everybody's computer, literally all you had to do was be connected to the internet for 20 or 30 seconds. And you had it. I mean, it was just a guarantee. Everybody got it pretty much. And uh, it cost businesses, if I remember correctly, because it's been a long time ago. But I want to say it cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $600 million estimated in computer damages and and cost to repair and uh, patch this virus for businesses in the United States alone. So, you know, it was a huge deal. And we had all of this software that we had to run on CDs, we had it on flash drives, you know, just it was all disjointed. And you know, I'm sitting there running this and we had just in my store alone, and I was in a little store in Gastonia, which is right outside of Charlotte, uh, we had a hundred computers or more coming in a day with this virus. You know that's just one store Um, we had we had to find places to stack computers and creative ways to stack them on the shelves because we had more coming in than we could put out and you know I asked my boss I said hey you know why why do we have all this stuff set up we need to come up with a better system so we can optimize this and he was like well if you can come up with something do it you know um you're right we've got more coming in than going out so um, you know I would go home from work dead tired I'd sit down at my computer I had all of the software and I started putting it together I copied it all to my computer um, and uh, started building just a basic you know menuing script uh, you know pulled out all of the unnecessary components that I didn't need because back then you didn't have you know 500 gigabyte flash drives or anything like that you had I think the biggest flash drive at the time and I paid for it out of my own pocket was a 128 megabyte flash drive and they were about 60 or 70 dollars a piece um uh, when I got them on sale. When I had to go buy some more, they were actually $90 a piece. So, you know, for 120 megabytes. <laughs> um, and I, that's what I needed because that was the absolute minimum size I could get all these programs down to the parts that I needed to run to uh, to create this menuing script. And, you know, it wasn't anything fancy. It didn't have graphical user interface. It was just basic. I mean it was it was a DOS based menu system. Um it didn't need to be pretty. It just needed to work. It needed to work efficiently. Um and so that we could get things completed in the most efficient manner so we could start turning the tide um in in this war against this computer virus. And so I sat down, got everything put together, got it on a couple flash drives, took Took it into work and started testing it. Everything worked perfectly. So I told all the guys, I said, here's your flash drives. Do not lose these. These are not Best Buy's property. These are my personal flash drives. So if, you know, anything comes up, what I want you to do is give it back to me. I will wipe it and I will take it home because I paid a lot of money for these. These are mine. So, um... You know, word word spread that I had come up with this. Um, I guess my boss told someone else and word got around and they eventually wanted me to send this up to the corporate office. And, you know, so I did. I, I got everything together. I explained what I did, um, sent them all the files. And they were like, oh, this is great. Cool. We're going to implement this in all the stores. And I'm thinking like, Sweet. I'm going to get a raise or a bonus or a promotion or something. Uh, Yeah, none of that happened. (laughs) Basically, um, they were like, well, this is something you created for work. And um, yeah, we're not going to give you a dime. So there's that, Uh, which wasn't a huge deal. I mean, it really hurt my feelings um, because I wanted some kind of a recognition for it. Um, But you know what can you do? I, I was uh, a kid. <laughs> you know, I was, um, you know, who was I to go up against Best Buy? You know, I didn't think I had any kind of a legal case because they could have said, well, you know, you used some of our software or you did this or you did that, and they'd come up with some kind of a loophole to not do anything for me. So, you know, I I just was like, eh, whatever. You know, it's a corporation. They don't really care about the little guys. So, you know, hey, I helped out a bunch of little guys like myself by making their jobs and their lives easier to get through this. So that's my reward. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I saw a problem. I raised my hand. I did something about it and it helped a lot of people. Um, it eventually became their Best Buy software. And as a matter of fact, somebody had, um, let me take a look at when they revised and they had a a diagnostic software and I actually found my name because I always put my name in any programs I wrote. Um, I actually found my name in the program on the diagnostics, uh, software in the code. They had forgot to take it, take it out, which was kind of funny, um, so they didn't even they they were so busy copying my my stuff to to make it uh, Best Buy branded and give it a graphical user interface and make it pretty that they didn't even realize that my name was right there in the in the first couple lines of the code. So, but the, you know that was that was interesting. I got a laugh and I was like, look right here, see there's my name. The guy, the guy that at the Geek Squad. Bench just was like seriously. I was like, yeah, here's my ID. That's me. I wrote that program. And they're like, oh shit, you know. So, you know, it was kind of interesting. That was that was years ago. Um, They might have found my name by now. I'm sure. And if anybody that works at Best Buy is listening to this podcast, that's high enough up, they might go back and look for it and and take it out if it hasn't. So, yeah. Good luck. I don't know if it's still there or not. But anyway, (laughs) so. So yeah, and, and that's really what we need in business. We need people to stand up and say, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this, you know? And, and because there's always those one and twos that, that will challenge or question things, but there's never the group. And, and that's what really needs to change because businesses are making decisions that are just don't make any sense. And it's the reason why they're failing it was funny. Um, I had commented on a post about Blockbuster, or a you know, I was in a comment thread, and somebody was talking about businesses failing, and I made a or a comment was made about Blockbuster, and I was talking about how Blockbuster, you know, our store was shut down, and then it became a mattress firm, and then I read yesterday that mattress firm is actually looking at filing bankruptcy. They're actually considering filing bankruptcy, and it's like you know all these companies these big names the, I mean there there's a in 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 Charlotte there's almost a mattress firm on every corner just about I mean it's ridiculous I mean I there are some places where I know there are more mattress firms than there are Starbucks how many beds do you seriously need now i granted they've got this whole great myth where if your bed's over 8 years old you need to replace it which is totally not true if you buy a good quality mattress, um, you know, and you put those, those sweat guard sheet things on them, you know, you're not going to end up ruining your mattress as long as you rotate it regularly and all that. It's going gonna, gonna to last longer than eight years. I mean, heck, my aunt has her mattresses. My aunt in Germany has her mattresses. They're over 50 years old you know i mean and they're very comfortable i uh when my wife and i went over there to visit she actually gave us her room because it was had more space and uh you know it was an extremely comfortable bed so you know uh they just start trying to do that to sell people mattresses and apparently it's not working since they're on the verge of filing for bankruptcy so you know Companies need to change the way they're doing business. The entire landscape is changing. People aren't going to buy into this nonsense. I mean, you know, there's, uh, I hear people all the time talking about, yeah, you know, I've my, my AC unit for my house is over 14 years old. It's time for me to go buy another one. And I'm like, why? Is it broken? Well, no, but I mean, it's 14 years old. You know, you're supposed to replace them every 14 years. And I'm like... Who made that rule? (laughs) Well, you know, they recommend that. You know, the the people that do the ACs, like the companies, they recommend it. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep, you just answered your own question. (laughs) They are recommending it because they want more money. Of course, you know. I mean, my AC unit and heat pack on my house is over 40 years old. And I had to have it maintained... Uh, Last year, for the first time, the actual fan motor uh, burnt out. So I had a guy come out, a really great guy come out who who runs his own air conditioning and heating business. And um, he checked my whole system, was like, yeah, everything looks fine. The only thing you need is this fan replaced. That's your problem. I'll get it for you. And I think the whole repair was somewhere in the neighborhood of like $400 because I had him do a full cleanup of the unit because it was old. You know, I obviously haven't lived there in that house for 40 years, but I had him do the full cleanup and maintenance package on it. Um, I had him replace that, that fan motor, um, you know, and, and, and just generally just take care of whatever needed to be taken care of. And 500 bucks you know, versus ten or fifteen thousand dollars for a new unit, uh, for for a higher end unit. You know, I mean he said he could get me a unit and everything installed for around four thousand. But anyway, you know, if you go to other places like the, the bigger name companies, you're looking at spending an easy ten grand. So you know that's that's um, what needs to change is the customer service, the way the customers are treated, the way the employees are treated and the way the company thinks through processes because they obviously aren't listening to customers because they're making all of these stupid decisions. They're just doing it for the money. You know, they're just doing it because, ooh, how can we trick customers into thinking that they need to buy our products? Like, do you know how how the actual um, mouthwash industry became as big as it is? Um, Now, granted, I'm not uh saying that bad breath was actually invented by um, by companies that create mouthwash what I am, like Listerine what I am saying is they created a smear campaign and you can actually look this stuff up these are actual facts i'm not making this up but um they Listerine invented mouthwash and it, wouldn't, it wasn't really selling that well. No one really cared. So they actually started creating ads and putting them in, in newspapers and in magazines. Uh, showing people, you know, sitting on, like one was of a guy sitting on a bed by himself. Like sitting on the end of his bed, looking depressed. Looking like he was about to go jump off a bridge or something. And it said on there, Johnny, you know, something to the effect of like, Johnny... Doesn't have any friends, and he can't get a date because he's got bad breath. So Johnny uh, needs to use mouthwash to cure his bad breath so that he can be popular and have friends. You know, it, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the ad in front of me right now, but that's basically what they said, you know. Oh, you know, you can't have, you'll, nobody will like you and people, you know, you won't even be able to get a date if you don't use mouthwash because if your breath is not minty fresh all the time, nobody's going to like you. And you're going to be sitting on, sitting on the edge of your bed one day with your head in your hands and depressed out of your mind because you can't, because nobody wants to be around you because you have bad breath. And they created tons of ads like this to entice people to buy mouthwash. So they, you know, and and that's the same thing with, with these mattress uh, ads where they're like, if it's over eight, you need to replace it. Or these air conditioning ads, oh, if your unit's over 14 years, you need to replace it. You know, there's no, there's no maintaining it. At that point, you are done. Now, granted, things aren't built like they used to be. And I get that. Things don't last as long as they used to be. But why don't they last as long as it used to? I would rather spend a little bit more and buy a quality product that will last for years than spend less and have to keep rebuying the same product. And then end up spending more in the long run because I've got to keep rebuying this item because it fails on me. And see, that's... That's another thing that needs to come back to the industry is quality over quantity. Now, granted, they have to put out millions of products to sell them, but like my Apple watch, I just recently got rid of it and replaced it with a fossil watch. But I had that Apple watch since they came out, you know, it was a gen one. It wasn't even called a series one because the series one title didn't exist. Um, but I had the first Apple Watch and it worked like a champ. I mean, almost four years of ownership, and the battery life was still just as good as it was when I bought it. You know? And the only reason I replaced it is because I really like watches. I'm a watch uh, addict. I used to have a huge collection of watches. I literally had a drawer that looked something akin to, like if you've seen Doctor Strange where he pulls out the drawer and there's like 40 watches in there. Now granted, I didn't have any spinners for them to keep them wound because mine were all battery operated because those were still very new technology when I was into watches like that. But I literally had nearly 20 watches, you know, that I would just rotate through because I just I just loved watches. I love time uh, something about my OCD nature just kind of drives me to that so I wanted something to look more like a watch so I went with the uh, Fossil um, Q watch and I got the Marshall uh, Smoke Gen 3 so I really wanted it because it was really cool looking and that's the only reason I got rid of my Apple watch other than that I literally probably would still be wearing this Apple watch for a couple more years until basically you know five or six years down the road when Apple finally no longer can support it because it's just, they can't fit the OS on it or whatever, you know. And People give Apple a lot of flack about, you know, ending support for devices, but Google does it too. I mean, I've bought brand new tablets that I've got one right now. I've had it for less than a year, and it's already no longer supported. You know, there's no more OS updates coming to it. You know, whereas with Apple, I mean they're so supporting the iPhone five, and we're on we're getting ready to have the iPhone eleven or whatever. So, you know, it's you know people I, people complain about Apple because they're so popular and because everyone has them. I mean I've been an Apple and Mac person long before they were popular when they were still the underdog. The first computer I used and what drew me in and made me love computers and want to go into IT and do the work that I do now was an Apple Mac, uh, two, you know, I mean, I was, I was eight years old and I was hooked. I had to have one. So, you know, I've been a long time Apple supporter, you know, long before anyone was quoting Steve Jobs, long before anyone who really even knew who he was. Um, I was, you know, an Apple fan, so, um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't have anything against Windows, I don't have anything against Android, but I, you know, because I, obviously, I have an Android tablet, I have, a, I have an Apple tablet, uh, you know, an iPad, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have a tablet, I have an iPad, it's a tablet, it's just like, I get people who complain all the time, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm here to fix your computer, oh, I don't have a computer, I have a laptop, no, you have a computer. There are two different types of computers. There's a desktop version of a computer, and there's a laptop version of a computer. One's portable, one isn't, but they're still both computers. A calculator is a computer. It's a very simple computer, but it's still a computer. So, but anyway, I digress. So, yeah, so I think that, you know, there needs to be more boat rockers out there, basically. And I kind of went the long way of explaining all of that. But, yeah, you know, challenge... Challenge the conventional wisdom. You know, stand up. Um, You know, if you're not comfortable with doing that, cool, you know. Uh, But there's a lot wrong in this world. And there's, I feel that there's a lot wrong in this world because there's just not people out there to point it out. You know, there's not people saying, hey, why is this like this? This doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. And, um, you know. Just, uh, you know, think that the, the there needs to be a change. And the way to change is to start asking questions, to, to start a dialogue, to engage, to take part, and to work together, you know. And I'm not saying go out there and be like, yeah, all you guys are dummies. You know, ask questions. Get more information. Find out the why. Because why is probably one of the most underutilized questions that anybody you know, ever ask is why, you know, we really need to be more questioning, more, more, um, you know, just open to start that dialogue. And then when the dialogue happens, continue it and and see if you can't change something, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can do if you ask. And so that's kind of my thing for today. And, again, I am so thankful for all of you guys who listen, who have subscribed, who have left reviews. You guys are great. Uh, definitely follow me on, at Car Thoughts Dave on Twitter or Car Thoughts with David on Facebook. And I hope you guys have a great Thursday. And um, I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. I'm working right now at 6:30 a.m. to 10 p.m. shifts at work, so my days are a little bit off, but I'm pretty sure it's Thursday last time I checked. So I hope you guys have a great one, and uh, car thoughts out. Hey Everybody, David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just want to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast? you might be thinking, well, David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works? What doesn't work, right? Well, I wrote a book, because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them, and that's all well and good, but sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons learned, lessons shared. You can pick it up on Amazon, On Kindle for 99 cents, less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can, you know, Keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome, epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So, by all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you, guys. And I could not do any of this without your support. So, when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.